0: Thank mm-hmm. you. to the 50th episode of the tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray and Roxanne Vasa. Hi, Roxanne.
1: Hi, Neil. So this week, we will cover the week following UK's Brexit vote and the race that it has launched for Europe's next startup capital. Partech Ventures, which has secured a new 400 million growth fund and a few new partners that have joined the firm as well. We'll talk about Austrian fund Speed Invest and its first Croatian investment. Our editor, Robin, also had a chance to catch up with I Zettel. And finally, Neil and I will wrap it up with a discussion of Berlin's Tech Open Air Festival and their recent funding, which is really weird for an event. And we will close today's podcast with something I'm so reluctant to even talk about. We'll have a few last words from Neil because this is his last tech.eu podcast. Oh my God. So let's get started with Brexit. Neil, I know this is your favorite topic. Have you recovered from last week's madness? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I just about it's kind of getting madder every day actually. It's uh now it's kind of just silly. It's gone from being horrified to to being mildly amused at what's followed.
1: Yeah, I think I heard a, a hilarious comment by a British comedian but based in the UK said United Kingdom is starting to sound like a bit of a sarcastic comment. <laughs> so- <laughs> Sorry to take the piss. Anyway, a lot has happened in the last week. Well, we're now one week after the Brexit vote. We've already seen multiple European capitals in what can only be called a race to replace London as Europe's leading tech hub. It's kind of a little bit ridiculous for me. There was an article on Quartz that mentions, for example, an Irish startup commissioner that sent an email titled, thanks to Brexit. And the body of the email went on to detail this new opportunity for Dublin. And I don't think Ireland's alone. there were a few publications like Israel's Geek Time and Venture Burn that have said Berlin is well positioned to surpass London as Europe's leading city for startups as well. In France, Les Echos, a French publication, also published an article saying that France is in a good position to benefit from Brexit. So it seems like everybody kind of wants to get on the taking advantage of Brexit situation. Neil, have you noticed this happening in the Nordics?
0: I haven't that much. I mean, it has been mentioned as in, like, what, what does this mean for the Nordics? But not too much about, hey, now we can kind of grab these companies and stuff like that. It's not really the Nordic style, in all honesty. They don't tend to kind of go for that oversell if you like there's only kind of myself and the the outsiders and the americans that kind of really oversell the region everyone else is, is kind of pretty quiet and gets on with it but i kind of understand that you know like to me i'm a little bit put off by some of the things i've read about these cities and and stuff trying to great it's, it's almost like a relative has died and you're immediately arguing over who's going to get what i mean that's what it feels like to me it's a little bit distasteful especially like in the immediate kind of days that followed of course i'm very sensitive about this but as someone who's personally affected and heavily against it But I still find it a little bit distasteful. You know, at the best of times, we shouldn't really be fighting each other in Europe in terms of who does have the best tech hub. It does go on. And of course, there is a fight for talent, but there should be a way of going about it. And and actually, I'm kind of not overly keen the way these cities are are kind of immediately going after kind of London's misfortune, so to speak. But, you know, in saying that, I, I do understand that there is a battle for talent continuously in Europe. Of course, there are great places in Europe, other than London, to start a company as well. Just to add another one to the mix, I saw Transylvania promoting themselves as a place as well. And they really made a good case, I I was nearly convinced. So yeah, I've seen a lot of places kind of do it, not so much in the Nordics. But yeah, I I understand why these places are doing it. But I'd also prefer it, it not to be happening, at least in the immediate aftermath.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it is a lot like trying to claim family members' possessions once they've passed away. That's actually really uh, a really good uh, metaphor for the situation. I agree with you on that, and I just think some of the countries and the cities really jumped the gun as well because it's, it's not completely sorted yet. So um, we'll have to keep an eye out on that situation and the communication from the, the different cities around Europe. But on a lighter note, we have Partech Ventures, one of France's oldest and most prestigious venture funds that has announced it has closed its first growth fund at €400 million. Euros. So for anyone who doesn't know Partech, they are a Paris-based fund with offices in San Francisco and Germany. Um, they've invested in companies like Sigfox, Made.com, Sketchfab, Teeds and more. They're one of the few growth funds in France. We don't have a lot. They had initially announced €200 million for this particular fund in January 2015, the initial goal Was to get to 300 million, but the fund was actually increased to 400 million given strong interest from both startups and LPs. Partech has already started making investments out of this fund as well into companies like Made, Brandwatch, Freedom Pop, and M-Files.
0: Yeah, and I think those investments from this fund that they, they've already made kind of give a good indication of where they're going with this as well. I mean, at are a fund that have certainly kind of moved towards being more pan European over the last year or so. And I think some of those investments show that as well. I know the M-Files one was about $37 million funding that happened in Finland. So they've certainly kind of spread their horizons in terms of where they're making the investments. A little note on the size as well 400 million euros. I mean, I, I would suggest that that probably puts them in a around the top 10 largest funds in Europe now.
1: Yeah, I think you're definitely right on that, actually. In addition to this new fund as well, Partech has also announced a few people joining the team. Serial entrepreneur Reza Malikzadeh has joined the team as general partner in San Francisco, and Emmanuel Delavaux has joined as general partner in Paris. Now, I don't know Emmanuel personally, but I know Reza, and I think he's an incredible addition to the team. His most recent startup, Nimbula, was funded by Excel and Sequoia and was acquired by Oracle. So that should give you a small idea of what he's done in his pre partech life. So very good for Partech to have him on board. Now, it's not every day we get to talk about Austria and Croatia, and even more rare that they're part of the same story on the podcast. Uh, This week, we have Vienna-based fund Speed Invest that has made its first investment into a Croatia-based startup called so I didn't know Speed Invest prior to this announcement. They operate across Silicon Valley, Munich, and Vienna. It looks like they're covering tons of territory. The fund looks like it generally invests up to 500,000 euros in digital companies um, that already have a product and that target sectors like deep tech, fintech, insurance tech, and consumer tech. They've done about 30 investments to date with six exits. One of them includes Finnish company Holvi. So they're a fintech company that was acquired by Spanish bank BBVA. So back to Croatian startup Amodo, which is their first investment in Croatia, happens to be in the insurance tech space. The fund has put $450,000 into the Zagreb-based startup. And the company, you know, I don't see see that many insurance innovations, but I find it really interesting. They're kind of doing usage-based insurance, which means that they're helping insurance companies understand the risk of insuring a particular individual. And they're, they're doing it based on data and behavior. So driving patterns, eating, sleeping, working out. I just find that really, really intelligent. And I'm really excited that it's coming out of Croatia.
0: Yeah, I don't have too much insight on on this investment. I've heard of Speed Invest before, but I, I don't know anything about the Croatian-based startup, the modo that they invested in. But what I will say, as it is my my last podcast, is that this is kind of, you know, why I love doing the podcast and why I love TechEU, because these sort of investments, they don't get picked up or mentioned otherwise. And there is, this activity is going on, as we've kind of proven on the podcast by trying to look at these different areas as well. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's fantastic that we have these said Australia they are in the eurovision these days so nearly so austria and austria and croatia um you know in the same sentence and that kind of cross investment and that kind of working you know not working together but but looking at opportunities outside of their own kind of perhaps smallish hubs and looking elsewhere in europe and you know it's it's kind of easy to do that so yeah i i, I like this investment because of the because of what it is although i can't uh, add too much insight to the exact investment
1: Yeah, and I love that it's not maybe the typical uh, geographies that we see investing in each other. Uh, We have, you know, UK funds investing into France and Germany, what have you. But this is Austria-based capital going into Croatia. So that's really very cool. Definitely. Now we have our editor, Robin, that had a chance to catch up with Swedish payments company (music) iZettle.
2: Hey, this is Robin from TechEU. I'm here at the Brilliant Minds Conference in Stockholm, Sweden, and I'm sitting down with one of the leaders in this startup ecosystem locally, as uh, Jacob De Geer from uh, Izettle. Uh, what's Izettle?
3: Well, Izettle is a financial technology company, effectively offering you know services to small businesses to help them grow their business and uh, you know work less and uh, and prosper.
2: And do you offer to small businesses worldwide? Only Europe? Uh, what's the markets that you operate in today?
3: Right now, we offer our services in 10 markets across Europe, and then Mexico and Brazil.
2: Why Mexico and Brazil? How do they fit in?
3: Well, they, they fit in in the sense that we back back a couple of years ago, we had an investment from Banco Santander, right. and they had a short list of companies for mobile payments, which was our core focus at the time, similar to, to Square in the U.S., and they, they wanted one provider from Mexico and Brazil, where they are the you know, third largest bank or something. And from that list, they they chose to to invest and to, to work together with us across those two markets. Nice. So we, we took the chance. Got it. Leap okay. of faith.
2: Um. So a lot of the conversation on fintech, especially in Europe, is the relationship between startups and banks. Mm-hmm. Um, you just gave a keynote speech on that very topic here at the conference. Can you summarize what you talked about and what the main conclusions of your own opinion is?
3: Absolutely. I'd say that the main conclusions are that You know, banks are up for a pretty rough ride, similar to what the music industry went through a couple of years ago. And uh, the biggest challenge for them is that, you know, roughly 40% of retail banking profits are at risk within the next 10 years. And, you know, that's a profit pool of roughly $1 trillion. it's quite a lot of money. And um, they are challenged with so many things. One is the, the challenge from the fintech industry per se. You know, $19 billion were invested in fintechs last year alone. All these companies are very small, nimble, fast moving, vertical, hitting the sort of the most profitable parts of any bank. And also, I mean the the, the offering that they have today is, is not good enough for the next generation, for millennials, for example. Mm-hmm. So that poses quite, you know, quite a big challenge for them. And sort of the conclusion that you can that, that you come to is really that banks have two alternatives. They will still remain relevant, uh, of course, but they have two options. One is to become much more customer centric. And The other option is to be, you know, white label label uh, balance sheet providers, effectively for fintechs. Yeah.
2: All right, so um, give me some numbers. How many people do you employ today? How well, what's your revenue like? How much growth are you seeing on a quarterly or annual basis? Sure, give me the basics. Uh,
3: absolutely. So we're uh, across twelve markets with uh, seven or eight local offices, headquartered in Stockholm. Three hundred employees. Most of them are based in Stockholm, where where we have sort of all, all the infrastructure. You know, 2016, we, we have um, an expected volume of 3 billion euros, payment volume of 3 billion euros. We onboard, you know, we take on north of 1,000 small businesses per day by now. Yeah. So it's, it's becoming quite a big machinery.
2: Amazing. Um, so if you look at the space in Europe particularly, you had two main competitors, I guess, um, you know, sort of starting up around the same time, Pay11 and SumUp, and they just merged. How does that affect you, if at all?
3: Competition is always he- healthy. That's the that's the boring answer. So I think it's a good thing that they are, you know, coming together rather than finding difficulties of funding themselves. If if that was the the challenge that they were facing, um, so uh, I think what's going to happen is that they will, you know, as, as all mergers, they will be challenged with, uh, you know, keeping up the the pace for the next, you know, six to twelve months. Uh, while sort of reshaping the new organization and then they'll you know be challenged by the fact that they'll run two separate platforms but eventually I mean they're really good guys Uh, they're really good companies so they're good at customer customer acquisition and they're also good at, at creating good products so I would expect a second sort of strong player like ourselves in in Europe right now. There, you know, uh, the numbers that I saw was that they reported a, a volume of roughly one one billion for for this year, so we're roughly three times their size. But as I said, competition keeps you on your toes and deliver better and, and performing perform better.
2: So aside from iZettle, um, Stockholm is home to obviously category leading companies like Spotify and Klarna and King. Um, and then dozens, if not hundreds of very interesting, promising startups. Um, you've seen the, the ecosystem evolve over the years. Um, what's your opinion on what it's like today and what, it's, what is needed to get to the next level?
3: Well, it's quite amazing. I would say that you know just the fact that that you know Sweden has produced more unicorns per capita than than any other market, and given given the small size, I think that's pretty amazing. We call it the Bjorn Borg effect. You know, Sweden is so small that uh, if if someone starts playing tennis, it becomes really really good, the next generation, all of these guys play tennis. It's the same with with tech. You know, some some entrepreneurs started great companies during the 90s, and now you see, you know, the people working with those companies started their own like Daniel Ek, for example. So, I mean, the ecosystem is is fantastic over here, but are, there are always things that can be improved. Personally, I think that, you know, the government should step up their game and start supporting, you know, the, the industry even more. Um, How? Oh. Well, it's a good question. There are so many different aspects, you know, everything from education, making sure that, that people are computer literate much earlier than today, exchanging, you know, I don't know what you what you say in English, but instead of spending one hour a day, one hour a week uh, as a small child learning how to, you know, uh, wood craftsmanship and, and those things, they should, should spend time on coding, right? right. Um, but you also have problems like there's. it's impossible to find a place to live in Stockholm, central Stockholm, which means that talent we find uh, outside of Sweden can will never find a place to live, right. which makes hiring talent extremely difficult. Those are not, not,
2: not easy problems to fix but very necessary of course well,
3: extremely necessary and we have other other issues such as uh, you know the, the possibility of giving out uh, options and, and warrants to, to employees it's you know it's a, it's a m- massive problem I would say actually
2: all right well that's all the time you have Jacob thank you very much and best of luck with eyes <laughs> thank
3: you very much great to see you again thank you.
1: And finally, Berlin Tech Festival Tech Open Air has secured what it is calling funding. And I feel like such a jerk, but I have to say this announcement struck me as super weird because isn't event funding usually called sponsoring? I just, I don't know, Neil, what do you think of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it must be equity funding, right? Like, because like you say, otherwise it would be... Sponsoring, so yeah, I mean, they they must have taken some equity in this. I mean, for my understanding is is that you know they're looking at this. Well, they're they're now calling TOA a platform, and you know perhaps there's something around that, a plan in in kind of engaging people in that way, which may make it more scalable. Which you know that's what you associate kind of angel or venture capital funding with, right? Is with a scalable opportunity. So I would imagine there must be some plans to make it scalable. I know they also want to kind of expand the event and do it elsewhere as well. I hear it's a super cool event. I'm actually going for the first time in a couple of weeks. I've never been, but I hear great things about it. So I'm kind of extra intrigued now, that this piece of news has come out to kind of figure out exactly kind of what their secret source is or how they are able to raise funding, say, rather than sponsoring.
1: Yeah, I've actually, I've never been to this event, but it gets a lot of attention and it seems they're launching a US-based event in LA alongside their core event in Berlin. Um, They've also announced that they're going into emerging markets, but haven't specified which ones. And their so-called investors, I guess they participate in in this round of funding. Hopefully they got equity. They include some pretty killer names. So they have founders of companies like SoundCloud, Six Wonder Kinder, Project A, Delivery Hero, HelloFresh, and The Family. So they've got a really good group. And as you've said, they have started also to refer to themselves as a platforms. So we will have to stay tuned and see if they end up developing something online as well.
0: Yeah, actually, it was the family that confused me about this, because actually, you can see that the rest of the names that you mentioned are all kind of part of the Berlin startup scene. And I I can fully understand that if you see what i mean as as kind of funding you know angel funding something which is good for the community there and good for the ecosystem because that benefits everyone especially major players in it but actually the family's involvement then led me to think this must be something bigger than just supporting a local project
1: Yeah. And the family, actually, they have started to branch out of France. They've been doing things in the UK. They've been doing things in Spain. Um, Not too surprised to see them teaming up with Berlin. And also knowing that this is targeting emerging markets probably makes it even more attractive to them. So I think, yeah, this, this definitely takes the event outside of Germany. But anyway, Neil, we made it to your 50th and last tech.eu podcast. I'm extremely sad to see you go. It has been so much fun doing this podcast with you, ranting about Brexit, hearing everything you have to say about the Nordics, teaching you that France is not to be ignored and what have you. So um, is there anything you want to say to the listeners?
0: Yeah, thank you for listening. I mean, that's the, the easiest or simplest. I'm actually surprised. We've done this every nearly every week for 50 weeks, which is a year, right? I mean, we started this a year ago and you know we do put a fair amount of kind of effort into doing this every week and so it still amazes me that people listen to us talking so yeah i'd like to thank anyone who's ever listened to it i really appreciate it i'm still amazed that, that people want to kind of hear our insight <laughs> to be to be completely honest so thank you for giving back some of the time that we spend on doing this but yeah i think it's time for me to to follow my country and unfortunately and and leave the eu or at least the dot the dot eu <laughs>
1: I hope not, Neil. I hope not. No,
0: definitely not. But yeah, that's it. That's my 50th and and final podcast. What's next, Roxanne?
1: So the podcast isn't going anywhere in case we have uh, several worried listeners out there. We will definitely have somebody so-called replacing Neil, even though you're irreplaceable. But listeners will have to stay tuned to find out exactly what's coming next.
0: Brilliant. And that's it for this week. And for me, this has been the tech.eu podcast podcast. You can, of course, listen and subscribe to the podcast still on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Acast. The website is tech.eu. You can still find me, reach out to me, give me feedback, abuse me on Twitter at Neil S. W. Murray. And Roxanne is at Roxanne Barza. And the Twitter for tech.eu is at tech underscore EU. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Roxanne.
1: Thanks, Neil.